1: Hello, and welcome back to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tabatabai. With me, as always, is Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. This is a very international episode of the pod, as we will be talking about Jason Tatum and Team USA. But first, we're going to chat about the next great NBA player to come from the Eastern Mediterranean, Jan Mader. This Israeli point guard is reportedly headed to Summer League in Vegas on behalf of the Celtics. And so we've brought in a special guest to learn a little bit more about Yoshi, who I'm calling him Yoshi from here on out. So let's give a warm Celtics Lab welcome to Moshe Helikman of Sports Rabbi. Moshe, how are you? doing great, thanks for having me on for sure. We're very, very lucky to have you. Uh, We're also joined by Josh Cohn uh, of Double Clutch UK and the Celtics Lab family, but we'll get to Josh later when we talk about the Olympics. Josh, how are you?
2: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's uh, it's a long time coming. I've sat through and scrolled through hours of admin and planning on this podcast but never actually appeared. So it's my honor and I'm uh, delighted to be part of such a heavily aggregated podcast.
1: Yeah, and we're so thankful to have Josh on that we're going to tell him to go on mute for 20 minutes while we talk about <laughs> Israeli point guards first. I um, won't um, take it personally. We do
0: that. Before we do that, uh, Josh is also, in addition to a member of the Celtics Lab, group chat and many other things, uh, he is a musician as well. Josh, if you want to throw that plug out there.
2: Love it. I appreciate it. what an hour that is. Uh, yeah, my band, if you want to go and listen to it, is called Chief Springs and we're on all the available uh, streaming platforms. I appreciate that, Alex.
1: So yeah, that's Alex. Alex is just in Somerville. There's not that much of an international flair there. But down in Mexico, we have Dr. Quinn. Dr. Quinn, how are you?
3: Hanging out down here south of the border as per usual. How are we all?
1: Yeah, I can't complain. Alex and I played basketball this afternoon, which is the right of teachers on summer break. And we both injured our legs, so now we're podcasting. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Yad uh, Vandere and uh, Moshe. We're so excited to have you uh, to come onto the pod Um, You recently wrote about for Sports Rabbi about uh, Yom and you've been covering him at the Israeli Basketball Premier League for quite a while. And in fact, you broke the news about his arbitration case. So first, can you just give us a status update on his current kind of like legal uh, contract issues with his current team in Tel Aviv and his situation with the Boston Celtics?
4: Yes, yeah, so right now Yamadar still counts a Apolta player for one more season. Obviously, the arbitration case was to see if Yamadar still counts a Poltaviv player or no, and um, at the end of the day, Apolta Aviv won the case. So now if a different team would want him, let's say Boston Celtics, they would need to pay a certain fee. We don't know yet which fee. We assume maybe a few hundred thousand Dollars, but again, that's only if the Celtics would want him or a different team. But if I needed to put a bet on, then he won't play for a Poltav even the upcoming season.
1: Wow, interesting. Uh well that's very exciting for Celtics fans, certainly. Sorry to uh, fans in Tel Aviv. Um so Yam has a lot of hype around him, including the nickname Yoshi supposedly. Uh based on what you can tell, do you think that the hype uh, is too much? Is it too little? Do you think that fans in the United States are setting themselves up to be a little too excited? Or do you think that, you know, this is the real deal?
4: I think the hype is exactly just right. Because Yamadar, he really has the talent. And we also don't know exactly how he would play out in the NBA. But there's definitely the potential there to be a star. And I think you guys are doing a great job covering Yamadar, really, in the United States. And I think he gets what he deserves. I don't feel like people are covering him too much or uh, too little. I think he's getting the credit he deserves. And it would be interesting to see what would happen and if he would really play for the Celtics next season. Because, at least from what I feel, the fans there are really hyped about him.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, least of which, he's a 6'3 point guard, and I think Celtics fans are sick of undersized point guards. Uh, So, Justin, I'm going to swing to you on that because I think that's a cool point. You have been uh, keeping your ear close to the ground vis-a-vis Yoshi. What do you think the hype around him looks like from the Boston fan base perspective?
3: Well, I'm a little concerned that people may get their expectations so high that it puts a lot of pressure on him. It seems that the fan base has a pretty good idea that at least to start, he's just going to be a role player, but he does have a pretty good ceiling. You know, not just because of the, the size that he has, but also just because uh, his trainer recently in an article, I think by Jay King, uh, compared him to Rajan Rondo. And that's actually wow. a pretty, yeah, pretty high praise. So it seems like the pressure is already coming from within and is about as high as you could possibly make it realistically. I do think that there is a lot of potential there for him to be more than even the role player. But mm-hmm. until I see him in the NBA, I don't hype him up too, too much just because, you know, even though I do think that there is something there, I'm concerned that a little too much hype might have him pressured.
1: Right. I mean, he's only 20 years old. I think that yeah. that's worth noting, but uh, Moshe, let's bring it back to you. So uh, there's a ton of footage of him for any Celtics fan who, in the States or abroad who wants to get to know him, um, or certainly anyone in Israel. What do you think is missing? If you were to sit and watch an hour of Yom highlight videos, what about his game do you think doesn't come through in just the highlights? What do you think is something either really positive that you might miss or something that he needs to work on that doesn't show up in just the highlights?
4: I think we could go negative and positive. Mm -hmm. On the negative side, people didn't see that his club last season um, didn't get a good result. Tapolta Aviv was battling at the bottom for a while. And luckily they stayed in the league because they changed the coach and they got a better result. And Diom had a big part in that. And it's not that Yam was bad when they were losing games; he was good all the time. And when we started getting the results, he was even better. So I think I don't know how much fans are aware to that that Hapoltavi didn't have a good season. But on the other hand, he did get to the playoffs with the team in the other two seasons he played with him. Mm-hmm. And on the positive side, I think fans are missing those moments that you say "Wow!" after. A Yamadar play. When you just watch it um, on the video, you may not always see it. But when you're at the court itself, there's some moments, at least once, twice a game, that you would just say, "Wow!" Um, right at the court.
1: Yeah, and, and as best I can tell, he he understands the moment. I mean, he's still a kid, but he hangs tough, and I think he likes to put on a show. Do you think that that is uh, in his favor? Do you think that he's kind of that kind of alpha entertainer that we'd love to see in the NBA? Or do you think that he might get ahead of himself sometimes? I think it's
4: definitely in his favor. Really, he lives off of the fans and what they give to him. And when Hapol when H- Talvich's fans came back to the courts this season, you saw an even better uh, Yam on the court. And I think he loves the moment and he could lead. And I think he's just doing a great job with that. And there would be more in his
1: favor than against him. Cool. We'd love to hear that. What do you think, or where would you like to see him improve his game next? What does he need to do to take his game to the next level?
4: So his three-point shot was excellent in the last season, 41% around. But I would want to see more consistency with that. With the under-20 national team of Israel, he also scored around in that percentage, but in his other seasons in the league, he scored 20-something percent, so the past season was excellent for him, scoring almost two threes per game in high percentages, but we'll definitely need to see more consistency, and people that surround Yamadar, they say what would bring him to the NBA is his defense, and what would keep him in the NBA is his three-point shot, and i think he knows that if he improves it a bit more then he's in a really good spot
3: and for what
1: it's worth he was the 2020 most improved player for the israeli basketball premier league and he was the youngest player to ever win that award so that's got to be promising i mean and, and in fact actually can you for people who are unfamiliar just kind of give us an overview of uh the Israeli Premier League itself, you know, what kind of league is it? Is it a fast-paced shooting league? Is it tough and favors big men? What kind of game do you see when you sit down to watch uh, Israeli Basketball Premier League?
4: So Israeli League is very fast-paced. The guards have a big part in the game, especially players like Yam could really do well in it. And big men have less of a room. Some teams even play with a stretch four as a center. But um, Yamadar really played up high to the level of the league. And this league had a lot of good players over the years. If it's Amaris Stodemeyer, mm-hmm. and if it's even guys that came back in the last years, like Omri Caspi, and there's definitely a lot of NBA players that come to this league, and yes, Yamadar isn't playing yet in an NBA-level league. There isn't anything like that, and even the EuroLeague isn't like that, but Israeli league is well-respected in Europe, top five, top ten, and he really proved himself at this level.
0: Moshe, thank you for sharing all this. Quick question about uh, Yem and about his adjustment to the NBA. So one of the toughest things that players... Uh, who are not in the NBA from college or from uh, international play or really from anywhere, Uh, one of the things that they struggle with the most when they enter the league is the pace of play and the kind of physicality and intelligence demanded on the defensive end in particular. Um, And in what little I have seen of Yam's footage, um, he stands out as very quick and a very good shooter. But I wonder if... You know, the Celtics have had players that have come in with that skill set before and filled out their bench. Most notably, the one that kind of jumps out to me is Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters. Um, So what's the case for why Yam might be a better fit in the NBA than some of the kind of deep bench guards that the Celtics have been running with in these past few years that have some physical tools but never really adjusted to the speed or physicality of the game?
4: Yes, so Yamadar, you could really see also the way he's working outside of the court. His target is clearly the NBA. It's not to be a top EuroLeague player, not anything else. His target is NBA, and he does everything for that if it's really getting stronger on the physical side. And you see that he is really fast-paced, comes into the game. And I think the main thing with him that makes him an NBA player in my opinion is that he has really no fear in 2018, one of his 2019, one of his first games for Apol Aviv was a Derby against Maccabi Taviv. Um they had guys foul out Apol Aviv, and um, in overtime Danny Franco, his coach Van and also now at Apol Aviv, brought him in a guy that almost no one heard about Yamadar And he came in, scored six points in six minutes, killed Makavi Toaviv, and a guy like Alex Taiz, that is one of the most well-respected EuroLeague centers over the years. So I think really Yamadar has no fear, and that's what would really make him a big success, also in Van NBA, in my opinion.
1: So uh, why don't we get you out of here on this? Because, I mean, at the moment, I think Yam is in Manhattan working out he'll eventually go to vegas summer league so let's not get ahead of ourselves we haven't seen him play stateside we'll have to bring you back when we do see him but i want to ask you before you go if you had to make one comparison between yam's style of play his body of work and a current nba player and i guess the caveat uh, the one thing you can't say is rajan rondo because dr quinn already gave us that but moshe if you could give us one player comparison maybe two between yam and a current nba player who would you pick
4: Well, it's interesting. His coaches would say Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, even a former Mm -hmm. player like Tony Parker. In my opinion, he's really more like Kyrie, at least the basketball side, not speaking about anything else that's not basketball. (laughs) But he really has the talent and the handles and the way he makes his teammates better and passes a lot of assists. So I think really his style is like Kyrie, the fast-paced game, a good point guard that could score a lot of points also. So if I needed to put one player, then I think it's Kyrie Irving.
1: Well, uh, Moshe, thank you so much for your time and coming on. I know that it's probably pretty late uh, in your neck of the woods. I'll plug you again. Moshe Halleckman is the a writer for Sports Rabbi and has been covering Jan Meder for quite a while, and so hopefully when we get to see him play in a Celtics uniform, we'll touch base again and, and reconnect. But thank you so much for your time. You thank you finish.
4: so much for having me on, and hopefully we'll really see him soon in the Summer League and maybe even in the NBA.
1: Maybe, yeah. Looking forward to it. Thank you again. Thanks again to Moshi Halickman for coming on and talking to us about Jan Mander, a.k.a. Yoshi. Very excited to see what he looks like in Summer League and really the whole Celtics Summer League team I can't wait to see it. It's going to be an embarrassment of riches. But there's some more important, perhaps, basketball to be played between now and then, Um, namely this cursed Olympics that is too big to fail, apparently. Uh, So we brought on our good friend Josh Coyne of Double Clutch UK and of the Celtics Lab family to give us an outsider's view of kind of the Olympics, because uh, I know that folks in the UK are still reeling from some other sports news perhaps uh on your side of the pond but i also don't think that your team is playing in the olympics on basketball men's basketball so uh josh welcome to the pod you can be our unbiased eyes and ears
2: i appreciate it my own, yeah I, like i said it's an honor to join you guys again my only concern is that i'm no sort of an academic so maybe i don't <laughs> qualify but let's just see how it goes
1: how oh, you doing great so far you had me fooled uh can you? Can I? I'm sorry to like t- twist your side, but can you give me ten seconds on how you feel about the Euro Cup?
2: Uh, I feel also it's like a cocktail of emotions because <laughs> it's been it's been a really kind of depressing last few days because, of course, English football and much of kind of European football as a whole has a reputation of like arrogance and violence in the stands which is exactly what made the vibe around the country for the last month feel so great because (laughs) the idea of going to a game felt safer. The positivity around the country was amazing. There was so much messaging around kind of inclusivity and the flag no longer representing any kind of nationalist um, ideal. And you actually Mm -hmm. felt kind of fairly proud to support this specific group of players, this squad. So a few days ago, I'd convinced myself of a certain kind of uh, you know, new direction in which they were turning and even uh, kind of wincing at some of the uh, the anti-English uh, tweets from all over the world, including from Alex, which were more than justified. Um, and sort of kind of thinking like, look, I understand we're supporting this um, this this group, but they are a multicultural bunch of young guys. Mm-hmm. They're kneeling before every game, standing against homophobia led by a real leader. And then just as I started to really convince myself of like this kind of new positive turn, um, as soon as they took one L the other day in you know, the final, final game, that kind of romantic idea of a like, generational shift kind of plummeted before my eyes um, with racism, violence and all sorts of stupidity. So, sorry, you, you'd really triggered me there, but uh, that's generally how I'm feeling. Sorry I mean, not
0: the tweets, Josh. Uh, that's just on behalf of uh, oh. the thirteen uh. American colonies, baby. Yeah, <laughs> and, and mostly my Irish friends. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's me too. I, I'm a very confused English-Irishman.
1: Uh, you're like a bad punchline to a joke from the '80s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whether it's the uh, the NBA and its media partners or its American foreign policy with Cuba, I feel like we are also uh, disillusioned. <laughs> Uh, over here in the states for the past few weeks so solidarity on that front Uh, but let's talk about the olympics that's never been political or horrible Um, so jason tatum we'll just start off the top because it's the news of the day it broke less than an hour ago that he is not going to play in the united states's final exhibition game against argentina because he has um was it soreness in his knee and now he's listed as day-to-day um alex or justin any thoughts on that does it register at all or well
0: i think the one thing that i'll say is that it kind of goes back to some concerns that dr quinn has expressed in the past on this podcast uh particularly about doing the olympics so rapidly right after uh, i mean you know the nba season is still going on we still have you know potentially four more games of the nba finals to go so to kind of with an already condensed Season that has led to a ton of wear and tear on these players' bodies uh, and has really messed up a lot of dudes uh, to abandon the off season effectively uh, and just go straight into more high level competitive basketball play is it's not an easy decision. And, you know, I want to give the players some agency here. Like, uh, it's not every day that you're going to be offered an opportunity to play on the U.S. Olympic team. So I'm sure when Jason Tatum and many others saw that opportunity, they said, fuck yeah, I'm going to the Olympics. I don't.
5: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 seven customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
6: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/try. Go to Shopify.com/try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/try. I don't want to miss out on that?
0: Right. But at the same time. This is, you know, this is a lot of mileage on these guys. And if you're heading into next season, having already come off of, you know, a terrible year full of COVID absences and injuries as a result of the condensed offseason, it's a little concerning.
3: After his last performance, I don't think there's anything uh, wrong with taking a game off and, uh, you know, stressing your knee out. If it's feeling anything at all, you also get the added bonus of not Sharing in the blame should they drop a historic <laughs> third game? So uh, maybe we should talk about the uh, losses.
1: Well, that was a pretty good segue, but here's, here's a plug for you. Uh, if you need to learn more about Jason Tatum and Team USA, you can add to Celticshub.com. Justin did indeed. That was a beautiful segue, and I stole it. Um, yeah, Team it USA cross. has lost four exhibition games since pros entered uh, the Olympics in 1992, and two of those four losses have occurred, uh, this time around. First to, uh, Nigeria, which was pretty awesome. And if you don't follow the Nigerian men's basketball team on Twitter, you're doing it wrong. And then second to, uh, team Australia, which frankly, that's a pretty damn good team, uh, with no disrespect to Nigeria. So, uh, perhaps these are troubling losses. Let's touch on that, but perhaps, International basketball is just going to keep getting better. Josh, as someone who doesn't necessarily have skin in this game, what do you see when you see the U.S. drop two exhibition games?
2: I mean, it's great, greatly concerning. You know, um, it's, it's one of those ones where maybe you come into it expecting to win games, but obviously there's a target on your back as the Team USA. Um you know, success breeds contempt. So there is a bit of of kind of that most in the world celebrating a USA basketball loss. But I think that it's infused with some, you know, exceptionalism where it seems as though there is a God-given right to dominate in tournaments. But we're seeing that talent gap perhaps decrease as, and shrink as time goes on. But that's obviously an explanation for the reaction from most of the world it's similar to most of the most of the world wanting England to lose, you know, uh, you know, as, as soon as there's a kind of expectation or like this hope that builds up around the country that, that, that you, you know, we, we expect this one, then that's when uh, you, you find some uh, enemies, but with a much fuller trophy cabinet in America's case. Um, as an NBA fan, I'm watching it. And as a Celtics fan, uh, I want Team USA to fare well as long as my adult son, Jason Tatum, is uh, playing. Uh, but I agree with you guys. I mean, I want them to uh, you know, ice him up, wrap, wrap him in cotton wool, put a sleeping bag around him, hire 24-7 security so nobody can go near him, fly him back to Boston, feed him all his favorite foods and protect him at all costs.
1: I am excited to see Deuce Tatum paraded around Tokyo in a COVID-safe way. Uh, Alex, when you look at the field, uh, this is, I mean, we got a lot of basketball to play, but between Nigeria, Australia, France, Serbia, who do you think really is uh, the United States' biggest kind of uh, opponent or hurdle on the quest to gold?
0: The Aussies definitely left an impression on me. Patty Mills seems to go to a different level every yeah. time that he goes to the Olympics, uh, which is pretty cool to watch. Honestly, I really enjoy Olympic Patty Mills. Um, they have a lot of talented NBA level players uh, and Josh Giddy, who is one of my favorite prospects in the draft. Um, and so I think the Aussies are well coached. They have a lot of talent and I think they would be a pretty serious threat. I'm also taking a look at France uh, just because I feel like Gobert, Evan Fournier, uh, obviously Gershon Yabusele, I have to mention him, Um, Mm -hmm. but they have a very well-built, well-constructed roster. So it's probably those two for me, there is an outside chance that maybe a Slovenia or a Greece, if they get Giannis in time or a, um, a, a Serbia could make a run as all of those teams have true NBA superstar level players. But in terms of the general roster makeup, I really like the Aussies
1: in France more. Yeah. It's interesting. This is not the point of this podcast. I actually think the Aussie team is better without Ben Simmons. Uh, but maybe we talk about that later. Uh, and Justin, I mean, I, rather, Alex, because you said Gershon Yabusele, let's just close the loop. He just signed with Real Madrid uh, to play basketball, which is a pretty damn good landing spot. Uh And let's just celebrate the moment, but that could be a pathway back to the NBA, we'll see. Uh, Going back to Team USA though, Justin, uh, maybe these losses aren't a big deal, maybe they are, only time will tell. Although historically, exhibition losses haven't been, uh, or have rather been a pretty good predictor of struggles in the Olympics. But uh, Coach Popovich was a little defensive when asked about the loss uh, to Australia the other night. Um, I'm wondering, were you on the call Um, And even if you weren't, what are your thoughts there?
3: I wasn't on the call, uh, but I did see the exchange after the fact. Uh, He didn't seem particularly perturbed. He hasn't seemed particularly perturbed. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of that is, you know, know, his stony-faced poker face, whatever you want to call it, and how much of it is actually reflective of how he feels about Team USA. I'm a little concerned His basic point with the reporter was just that the framing of it being like the sky is falling, they're blowing, teams are blowing each other out and and, and the like um, is not an accurate or respectful thing to be saying about these teams. I tend to agree, but at this point, I'm a little concerned. Uh, More concerned than than Coach Pop is. I, I don't necessarily think that things are a problem because a lot of these players haven't really played that much international play and definitely not recently. You can see them getting confused when they don't get a call for, for contact that they expect to be getting. There's also this, like it's my turn now it's your turn kind of style of play that, you know, really Celtics fans are way too familiar. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not, too worried about it, but if there is going to be something that gets in the way of Team USA meddling, I'm not going to say they're going to get a gold medal because I tend to agree that, you know, Spain, uh, France, Serbia, Australia, those are all teams that could definitely beat the United States on a given night. If they have one of those my turn, your turn nights, I think they're going to get past the whole fouling international rules stuff pretty quickly, but, yeah, a little concerned. Uh,
1: That's what we love about the international game is goaltending and The way that big men can hang out in the paint and 40 minutes of action so you have more gas in the tank. It's in many ways a more exciting game, I think. Uh, Josh, what do you think about uh, the field? Who, Who, not necessarily your prediction, we'll go around the horn and do our predictions. Who are you most excited to watch as a basketball fan?
2: um well as a basketball fan i'm actually still most excited about team usa because you know if they if they do manage to click it's always fun to watch but i go i tend to go back to what um what alex said actually about uh, slovenia i think that like with with the usage you get out of luca and goran dragic you just go back to watch highlights of the uh, Euro League that they won, or EuroBasket? Mm-hmm. I always get confused, um, uh, where they just dominated and it was just those two guys on a mission, uh, I feel like they could really turn some heads um, in the Olympics. I also think um, Lithuania, I think that when you watch Lithuania basketball, it becomes one of those things like with what Alex said about uh, Patty Mills, where he just becomes someone altogether mm-hmm. different. Uh, You watch Jonas Valanciunas, um, and it's just like, who is this guy? (laughs) I mean, I know that he's been really solid in the league, especially the last few years, but he he kind of really does put the team on his back. Uh, So those two teams are, like, exciting to me. Um, But let it be known, from Europe, I think there's a lot of excitement, and a lot of people are kind of thinking, like, wow, the, the talent gap may have closed quite a lot. But I think almost everyone... Uh, at least assumes and is confident in the fact that this Team USA will probably get it together in the next week or so, and then probably just ride through the tournament.
1: If you're a fan of basketball, if you're a fan of Embiid and the Joker and all of these people who are beneficiaries of basketball expanding overseas, it might not be such a bad thing if, I almost said the Celtics, if Team USA doesn't uh, come away with the gold. I think the last time we talked, I gave outdated odds. So I'm gonna make sure I give as up-to-date odds as I can. And following the loss to Australia, uh, Team USA's odds vis-a-vis the Bothans in Vegas have changed pretty radically. So here they are today, Tuesday. I don't know what day it is. Being a teacher during summer vacation is amazing. I literally have no idea what the date is. Uh, Here are the updated odds. So uh, the United States is still the number one team by a wide margin to walk away with gold in men's basketball at minus 370. Australia is holding at second as a plus 850, and then varying degrees of uh, even more risk. Spain, Slovenia, France, Nigeria, Argentina. Uh, shout out to Luis Scola and his very chic haircut. Argentina is number seven. Italy, Germany, Czech Republic, and Iran, which that's awesome. We would love to see that. Uh, I think Iran might win gold in volleyball. Looking forward to that. Uh, so let's go around the horn. Uh, let's, yes, yay or nay, Do uh, does Team USA walk away with gold? And if not, who's going to win gold? Alex, you're up first.
0: Sure. Um, at the end of the day, we can talk a lot about Team USA's flaws and foibles. This is definitely not as good a team as at, like the 2018, team, for example, or the 2012 team, both of which had some really stacked rosters. But here's the thing, guys. basketball ultimately, is a simple game. If you have the best player on your team, you're almost certainly going to win. And Kevin Durant is the best basketball player alive right now. So Mm -hmm. I think Team USA is going to win gold. I think that KD is simply not going to let them not win gold. Um, I like the Aussies as the silver medalists because of the aforementioned super hot Olympic Patty mills. Uh, that tends to happen, as well as guys like Aaron Baines and Giddy, and they are just—they're j- a really fun, well-built team. And then I like France. Uh, I think for the bronze, because of our boy Evan Fournier, among other things. Cool. Very cool,
1: uh,
3: Dr. Quinn. What about you? I'm going to rank them in order: Australia, United States, France. So you have the
1: Boomers taking gold. I have the Boomers taking gold. Very cool and uh, our ambassador to the international community. Josh, uh, what do you got?
2: So I'm gonna do it in order as well. I'm gonna go uh, Great Britain, no, (laughs) no. Uh, I'm gonna go USA, Australia, and let me just throw in the wild card of Lithuania.
1: Yeah, I love that. I mean, certainly the international game benefits teams with big men uh, who also know how to play the international game which makes the Kevin Love thing even more confusing, but let's not talk about that. Uh, Just to round it out, uh, I'm going for Slovenia. And uh, Lucas, Lucas, winning this thing. Uh, I'm going for Slovenia. I think the uh, Team USA will get bronze. And uh, yeah, the Boomers. The Boomers feel like a team ready and on to to something awesome. Yeah, maybe Lithuania is not going to go as far as Josh hoped because maybe they're, not, <laughs> maybe they're not going at all. Uh, so uh, that's about it for the Olympics. They haven't started yet. We can't get too excited. The If you've watched any of the exhibition games, they are like pretty disjointed and confusing, but I suspect that we're in agreement that that will change. Uh, just a little bit of bookkeeping for other things related to the Celtics, and it starts actually with Team USA. Uh, reportedly, Brad Stevens has been in Las Vegas for Team USA training, and... Uh, and Ime Udoka has definitely been there. There's been lots of pictures of that. Justin, what can you tell us about uh, what they're doing out there and what, uh, from a Celtics frame, you want to see out of that?
3: Well, uh, I think I want to see the same thing that they want to see, which is um, a lack of tampering uh, in (laughs) terms of stealing Jason Tatum. Uh, Make no mistake about it, that's at least some of the reason to be out there, but also, obviously, to get a feel... Uh, for the relationship between Tatum and Adoka and to kind of like jumpstart what the team needs to be working on with him specifically for the summer in the Team USA setting. Obviously, that's going to take a step back back with his knee uh, being aggravated, but hopefully that's a very short-term thing. And really, I think these guys just need more time together to get to know each other in terms of Brad Stevens and Ime Adoka as well. So I think it's just an all-around good idea for them to be in the same place they're going to be in the same place later on, including Las Vegas for different reasons, but uh, that won't be involving Tatum, obviously.
1: Spending extended time in Las Vegas during the summer sounds like a nightmare. Josh and Alex, uh, tampering notwithstanding, who do you want uh, Jason Tatum to be tampering with the most? So let's, let's go on the offensive. Who do you want Jason Tatum to be yucking it up with at Team USA in hopes of bringing that person to the Boston Celtics?
0: I mean, I would love for Jason Tatum to convince Kevin Durant uh, mm-hmm. to come to the Boston Celtics. I don't think that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, I've, I've been on record as I'm all in on uh, Bradley Beal's free agency in 2022. I think that that is the natural target. Tatum and he are friends. The Wizards are crappy and not going anywhere. And uh, I feel like the big three of Tatum, Beal, and Brown would be a super fun, super good basketball team. So that's my guy.
2: Um, I'm going to go with Beal as well, but I I just feel as though they they didn't necessarily need the Olympics to do so. It seems as though those guys are kind of joined at the hip. Um, And then in terms of kind of, uh, you know, it's really beyond their control, but it wouldn't be that bad to... uh, get kind of Damien Lillard to start really respecting the Boston Celtics. Uh,
1: I politely disagree, but I'm about to say something that is even more disagreeable. So that's fine.
3: Uh, You want Zach Levine to be tampered
1: with also? No, I was going to say Draymond. Oh, well, eh, good enough. Cool. Uh, Well, uh, that landed better than I thought it was because I don't even know if I believe it. Uh, A few other things and then we're out of here. Justin, I might lean on you to kind of explain these. Landry Fields uh, from Atlanta and Allison... Easter are rumored to be GM candidates for Boston. What do you know about that?
3: Well, we don't even know if they are going to expand the front office, but there has been some chatter that this is, you know, potentially in the works. That Landry Fields, as a former player who has done very well with Atlanta, as we have seen uh, mm-hmm. with their playoff success, has been rumored by A1 Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report to be in the apple of Brad Stevens' eye for that position should they create it under him. No one seems to be talking about what would happen to Mike Zerrin. Presumably, that he's kind of like a shadow co-GM in this scenario and not going right. to leave the organization. Uh, but if, according to the framing of the article, though I personally believe Allison Feaster is the better choice, uh, considering her um, organizational familiarity, mm-hmm. she is being framed as the the one uh, A to to Landry Fields one.
1: I think reportedly Zarin and even Ainge are helping with the draft process and perhaps free agency. So this might be a a move down the line, but that's certainly interesting. Um, For those who don't know, and if this were to happen, I mean, this would be A1 news that we have buried pretty considerably, but Alison Feaster is currently the director of player development for the Celtics uh, and is a very accomplished WNBA player in her own right. Uh, Harvard educated uh, would be a, a really tremendous hire as best I can tell, but whether or not the Celtics themselves think they need a GM or whether or not they need a GM outright. I'm not sure. And then finally, just in terms of news, uh, Jay Laranaga and Jamie Young, the current or I guess former perhaps assistant coaches for the Boston Celtics uh, do not appear to be returning. Uh, Josh, just because we haven't had you on in a long, long time, and uh, maybe we won't have you on as soon as we would like, what are you looking for from the Celtics this offseason? Give me a uh, reasonable prediction and a hopeful prediction.
2: Okay, so reasonable, reasonable uh, prediction. I think the, you know, at least the Eastern Conference semifinals, you know, the talent is there. Um, and with obviously the NBA finals would be the hopeful prediction. But I, what mainly I want to see is quick ball movement, as you guys touched upon, less kind of reliance on ISO basketball. Um, what we're hearing is all the right things from U- Yudoku which is basically you know fast moving, quick basketball with a hard nosed edge, and that's you know that's music to my ears. I'd love to see that. And uh, should it go well, we have the talent to execute it. And uh, let's go Boston Celtics.
1: Cool. Love that. All right. Hopefully we got you in bed before midnight. Uh, Tell the good people where they can find you, find your band and all that.
2: Well, firstly, I would suggest that people do follow me on social media. The main reason is because obviously as I'm predicting that Lithuania are going to win a tournament they don't qualify for and can't (laughs) actually in. I will be actually going for NBA MVP myself this year. So (laughs) it's worth getting in there early. Um, people, yeah, yeah. People can. Uh, I write about pot, uh, and pod about basketball for doubleclutch.uk And if you like live music, I run a YouTube show called Handstamp, uh, on which I talk about live music memories with an array of guests. And you can follow me on Twitter at at Handstamp. And right, Josh Coin. <coughs> Excuse me.
1: Thanks. <laughs> Let me try that again. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> to give you an edit. Josh Coyne, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on and thank you for uh, sharing your wisdom and your vulnerability. We're really sorry about what's happening to uh, soccer over in the UK. Also, wait, I got to air a grievance. Do you know that apparently British people called it soccer until like the 70s and then they just started calling it football because they don't like Americans?
2: I heard that recently. I heard that recently. I'd be interested to know if there were any other versions of that. Um, But, you know... We could go on a long conversation about the use of the language and the way it's been twisted and turned.
1: Yeah, no pun intended. There's a lot of tea to spill between the Americans and the British. Uh, Josh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Moshi, for your time earlier. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye.